the most audible. Holy applause. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by the kid, the god himself, VJ King, beat reporter for the Athletic, covering the you, Boston Celtics. You and forgot to, the legend. I Did I forget the legend? I feel like I forgot something in there, but I did forget the legend. Uh, these are all self-given <laughs> nicknames here by Jay. And we're also joined by Brian Robb from the Boston Sports Journal, who is an, also a beat reporter that covers the Boston Celtics. And uh, he's joining us here on his quarantine time. Also a legend. Also a legend. <laughs> I'll take it. So, B-Rob, to, we, we just got to check in and see how you're doing, how you're surviving. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's been a week. Um, I hope everyone out there is not going to stir crazy amongst this, but, you know, just just hanging in and looking forward to any kind of distraction that's possible. So and the chance to jump on anything as possible was uh, a welcome opportunity. Now, uh, Jay, you are still have yet to leave your house. Um in the last yep. week, and you will probably be there for even longer with the news that Marcus Smart has tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I guess, how are you doing and your first initial reaction to kind of the Smart news? I mean, as as you saw, more teams get tests come back. I don't think it was a surprise that the Celtics had a player test positive. They still, at, at least as of Thursday night, had not received all the tests back. So he might not be the only one. We'll we'll see how many players they end up with. I mean, first, obviously, your thought is for Marcus Smart and just hoping that he's okay. It's good that he's asymptomatic. Good that he's been self-quarantining since he heard the Gobert news, basically, and they got back to Boston. So that's very good. Um, other than that, like the numbers in the NBA are pretty alarming. Just how many cases that they had. There are 11 players that we know of have tested positive and fewer than half the teams have gotten testing. So they're just like, it's, it's pretty rampant in the NBA. The percentages are kind of scary. What I don't get is like how one player per team seems to be getting it. Or like you would think if everyone, and obviously none of us are doctors uh, and don't understand immunology or how diseases work, but it's just, are you sure you don't understand immunology Packard? I'm pretty sure. Like B-Rob could be an immunology expert. I don't know. (laughs) B Rob, are you holding out on us? You got some immunology? We'll see. I, I might have time on my hands. We'll see here in the next few months. But no, I'm I'm not. I can't I can't say I can help there. But the thing that's wild is that like only one person will get it, and it seems with a lot of these players not having symptoms that if there was no testing, they would never know. Like Rudy Gobert had was sick and like tested for other things, but it's just kind of a, a scary thing where it's like you just have no idea. Um who has it, who doesn't. And that's just why like, it seems like testing is, is super important. And it's why um, you just need as, as many tests as possible. Yeah. I mean, the whole situation, obviously not just the NBA, but you know, worldwide is incredibly scary for that reason. When you have so many people who haven't, I guess that's like, you know, it's great. That smart was, you know, the Celtics didn't publicly reveal him, but he came out and wanted to raise awareness, which is great. And, you know, another high profile example of someone who has it, who doesn't have symptoms so people everywhere can kind of see okay this is just because you're fine doesn't mean you're not a threat to other people so take this quarantining stuff seriously 
And so, I mean, it's we you see guys get around the NBA, but we don't know how they got it around the NBA. I mean, guys could have given it to each other on the court or it could have just been an everyday life. Like, we don't know yet, but the fact it seems to be so widespread, I wouldn't rule out anything from for someone like Smart. It's easiest and most fun to blame Rudy Gobert for everything, and it's wildly irresponsible to do so, but that's never stopped me in the past. Um, but that is just, like, because he's the first one who came out. Um, but we really have no idea how any of the players got it. It could just be, in, like, in contact with everything. They're constantly traveling. And so, um, unfortunately for you guys, uh, and for me, I guess, it means more quarantine. Um, B-Rob, what have you been doing to survive... Have you been watching old uh, highlights like Jay? Have you been playing Settlers of Catan like me? Like, what is just what is your story? Writing Brad Wanamaker and Jonas Jerebko pieces. <laughs> yeah, just, just I haven't. I man, I haven't gotten into Jerebko mixtapes yet. That's probably next on the list. I <laughs> Go will back say, to have, 2017 playoffs. Have you for seen that. all the the mixtapes that people have put out of like totally average NBA players? That's been probably my favorite trend to come out of all this. Like, I saw Lewis Amundsen mixtape going oh, around. Oh, wow. Wow. I saw, like, there was a, a mixtape of Patrick <laughs> Patterson with, like, Prime Pat- Prime Patrick Patterson was a problem. <laughs> Prime Patrick. <laughs> and then, like, one year of the Raptors? <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a Janeiro Pargo mixtape floating Ooh. around I saw earlier. It, it's been pretty electric, like, what what people have put together <laughs> d- during And this is week one. Yeah, yeah, I think... On that note, Jay, I actually did, just before this podcast, did see uh, Ersan Ilyasova taking charges mixtape. Oh, wow. Did come across my Twitter feed. So that, see, this, uh, that was... This is uh, the good stuff. If you had to design a mixtape or produce a mixtape for this Boston Celtics season, what would be your favorite theme? Um, Jason Tatum sidestep threes is the obvious one, but I think we can we can come up with something better. Brad Wanamaker not passing in transition. <laughs> that's yeah, mine no uh it's gotta be the tie seals oh right? yeah i Ty can't seals, believe it didn't go with tie seals like yeah so, honestly packer you dropped the ball there no the real answer is uh robert williams uh backcourt turnovers Ooh, that's a good one <laughs> i like that there's too. there's a lot of material there yeah there's i mean there's so much you could you could put together what else i would say what's i'd be curious for in general what what would be the one play that would be like symbolizes the Celtic season to this point? Um, or just like not maybe symbolizes, but just like the, the craziest play of the year. And to me, it would be the, the game in San Antonio where Robert Williams like blocked the crap out of someone at the three point line, like picked up a loose ball and like ran a three on one break that ended up with a Javante Green dunk. That was just like the most absurd slash like kind of symbolizes the, you know, not the togetherness of the team, but when they were at their best, essentially. But like a play like that, what would you guys say for something that was the most memorable in your mind? I would also watch the hell out of a Javante Green Yeah, Javante Green Dunk mixtape is something that should should be in the mixture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of another play. There's some crazy Tatum plays. I'm trying to think if it's in the Clippers game or the Lakers game. Just when he was on his run that he he made some shots uh, that were just absurd. Actually, the shot where he kind of let the ball bounce twice in Portland and then knocked down a three 
That was uh, fantastic. Yeah, I like that one too. I'll, I'll let your guys stand. I, I'm I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Just play a I'll let you all down. I'll let you all down. Brad Stevens failed challenges. <laughs> that would actually be an electric mix, like like <laughs> footage of Stevens going over to the the bench to ask the assistant coaches if he should challenge, and then challenging, and then inevitably either failing. Or even when he wins challenges, the Celtics then just lose the ensuing jump ball, and it's like they lost the challenge anyway. It, it's incredible. It happens every time. Okay, so oh, go Brad ahead. Stevens go ahead. Live, Brad Stevens, you know, what mics pick up off of him could be a good mix, too. You know, Ooh. Brad Stevens swearing. I love it. <laughs> so when, a lot of material there. When they were discussing the idea of possibly playing games with no fans, there was like it was floated that the media would still be able to go and I was trying to think of like where they would let us sit in a game with no fans. And I would like, do you think they would let us get like the Donnie Wahlberg seats? No chance. Like all the way across the court. Like how close could we get? We're up on I mean, level they, nine they in that situation. To, yeah, put us in the halo. <laughs> Just sprinkled throughout the crowd. That yeah. would be very weird. One That's guy question. How would they? How would they handle that, Jay? What do you think? Like, because I don't they, know. That would have been bizarre. That would have been bizarre. I uh, although I, I will say like with all the recent news, it's it's starting to feel like the NBA might not come back at all this season, and m- maybe I'm reading too much into the news, but this thing is going to take a while. Players aren't even allowed in the gyms. It's going to take them a while to get back into it. I'm totally just speculating without any knowledge right now, but this hiatus could last a while. What do you guys think should be like? Uh, the preference of the NBA? Is it finishing the 2020 season and getting a finals? Or is it kind of trying to restart and make sure like the 2021 season is uh, as least affected as possible? I think safety is a priority. I mean, but, obviously. <laughs> but, uh, but, gonna okay. I'm going to totally ignore your question. and go. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's why this podcast works so well. <laughs> with, a, with a totally different conversation. But just think of if, if the season is by whatever chance lost, how much would be like the historical significance of it? like LeBron, this could be his last best chance at a title. I know he hasn't really shown too many signs of slowing down, but like at some point he is. And the Lakers kind of have an aging roster, except for Anthony Davis. Like this could be their best chance to win a title. If he loses this, that could ha- that could be like a legacy thing. Giannis, the Supermax is going to be up. Offered to him in like a few months, he's never seen what this Bucks team could do in, in a playoffs. Like this could have been their year; it could have convinced him one way or the other on what to do with that super max. He's gonna have to make a decision without it. Like there are just so many things that are kind of in the balance right now that it's just fascinating to me. Like just the basketball side of it. Obviously, that's the least important stuff right now. But when you think about it, it's just kind of crazy. How much is just laying there, like possibly being taken away from guys, and how much could change from all of this? Yeah, it's a great point, Jay. I think just based off of that, to bring it back to Jim's question a little bit, I think they're going to try to play. <laughs> they're going to try to play the playoffs no matter what, because it's like these guys played sixty-five games. Like that's a, you know, even if they have to cut it short, that's enough for like a, a full season here. So to just like erase that from the books with no resolution whenever things can come back i think that would that'd be worst case scenario and obviously safety why you know if 
things are, if, if it takes a full year and just no one's playing sports for the rest of 2020, which is a very scary proposition, but I feel like is possible based on how things are going right now. Um, or you can't roll it out, I should say. But if they can come back in August or September, I do think that some kind of shortened postseason, like just something three game to have, series. Yeah, like three games, like anything would be on the table in that situation. Like three game series, like in practice facilities or just under quarantine, you know, empty arenas, whatever needs to be done. I do think they would try to make it to just have some kind of resolution to the season. Just the, so you can name a champion and right. move on. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. Um, I'm intrigued by an NCAA tournament type 30 team. Oof. One and done? Yeah. I think that'd be that too would... too stupid because there's so many times this one basketball game. I guess it works for the March Madness, and it we are recording this on the Friday, which would be March Madness, but like... Just think of Lakers fans if they like lost to the Grizzlies in one like the first game and they're just out. It'd be people would be furious. Yeah, but that's that's just how it goes. It would render the regular season completely meaningless. Do you think the Knicks should deserve like a, a playoff spot? I'm just saying obviously that, that would be a last resort of the NBA to kind of throw together, but if if there aren't many other options and it's possible there won't be. I'm I'm kind of all in on the thirty the madness of a thirty team tournament. I I'd just, want to play in tournament for ooh, sure to yeah, like for like not? the whoever's not locked in like you know definitely for the AFC in the West and maybe for seven and eight in the East even though like even the Wizards don't even really have a chance there but some kind of March Madness style tournament there would be awesome. Just any form of uh, basketball would be great. I mean, Adam Silver just came out in an interview with Rachel Nichols saying that they've considered like getting a, a quarantine game going just so people have live sports. And uh, my God, it would be electric. But then Every, the big three jacked that idea and took it to another level. What are they doing? I don't. I, I heard talks of this, but I don't know exactly what their plan is, you know? So, so they're quarantining a bunch of players. This is their plan is to quarantine a bunch of players that are tested negative and have them play, not only play a tournament, but also have like a reality TV show of it. So it it's possible that we get like Steven Jackson, Nate Robinson, Glenn Davis, whoever else, all trapped in a reality TV show house. Oh it's, my god. It's gonna be electric. Think about the electricity. And especially like there's nothing else on TV. That it would be like the biggest television event of all time. It would it's... be the Super Bowl. That's fan. Just like the idea of just Stephen Jackson, really, just Stephen Jackson on live uh, television, it, or would be absolutely electric. All of those personalities, I'm for it. I just need live programming at this point. I didn't realize how much I was addicted to uh, co- like collective experience and being on Twitter at the same time and um, stealing B Rob's retweets. And <laughs> you know, it's like I just like I feel like society. We need to pull together and uh, be watching the same thing at the same time. It's, I agree. I mean, can you imagine too, if there wasn't, I mean, I know this is not NBA stuff, but like Tom Brady left this week, like that gave, I mean, having worked at a sports radio station for years, I have no idea what they'd be talking about this week if that didn't happen. And that might give them enough material to talk about for, for weeks on end. But you take that off the table, like once things quiet down at the NFL here, like, I don't know, like you said, there's going to be the void just going to get bigger in terms of like anything to to walk or watch or distract us. So something like that could be huge, like a, a reality situation. We might become a big three podcast. We might have to. Right. It's, 
anything, any, any kind of distraction that jumps into the realm, people are going to give a chance at this point when they're, as they get more and more stir crazy. All right. Uh, it's enough of, I think we've run out of uh, hot takes for uh, quarantine Corona. So we'll start talking about, it's our new interview series on Anything is Potable. We talked to Chris Forsberg last time about kind of how he uh, made it in this industry. And I think it's something that a lot of people are interested in. And so I guess the question for B-Rob is, how did you go from guy, just random guy on the street, <laughs> to uh, being professional Boston Celtics reporter? How did you get interested in it? Tell us your story. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was... Uh quite the road um a lot of lucky breaks involved in the road but i guess it started with a little thing called the troop network Ooh. um way back in the day shout uh, out shout to henry out, abbott shout out to henry abbott and kevin arnovitz as the uh the architects of there uh plenty of uh terrific talent came out of there uh that are not me um so i'm pretty far down the list uh, in terms of uh Name okay, but you had to have been doing something. You yeah, don't just get so, randomly picked off the street and say, yeah, "Hey, I, do you need a job writing about basketball?" I mean, it was kind of pretty much that. Like, I knew someone. Like, I heard I had a a neighbor who uh, works in the media industry, and uh, you know, I feel like anything in sports, you you have to get lucky. You have to kind of know someone to help you get the foot in the door, or just at least get your get a look at so i was able to get an internship and then i essentially applied he had heard that this they were starting up they're looking for a celtics blog and looking for celtics people and so i essentially just watched the celtics game in 2000 i think it was at the time nine i actually wrote a thing on scal and how he was uh you know i become like the human victory cigar during 2009 or whatever and how that was kind of weird um but sent it in and then started up a blog with myself um, and Zach Lowe, of all people, along oh, with Oh, wow. Um, Never really heard of him. Who's that? Yeah, I don't know who. I don't, you might be familiar with that guy. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, and so luckily the Celtics were really good, and um, we had a lot to write about. And he was obviously became, you know, was working a full-time writing job on top of it, and I was just a college kid looking to – get his foot in the door. So pretty much working at Celtic sub turned into other writing opportunities. Um, it was just whether it was doing recaps for NBA.com or Boston.com, pretty much any website in the Boston area, I probably freelanced for at some point. Um, but in addition to this, I also got a, a job at 985, the sports hub, uh, right out of school, just cause they were starting and literally looking for people off the street. Um, so between those two things, um, just kind of grinded it out in the freelance life for a while while working as a a teacher's aide on the side or a full-time gig or a, for startups on a full-time gig and kind of doing moonlighting, doing Celtic stuff. And then luckily a few years ago was able to hone in on all Celtic stuff at, at Boston Sports Journal. What you, type you, of startup did you work for? Uh, it was a social media startup. You remember Sulia? Oh, yeah, time? I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, rem- it was, I remember uh... that. I remember Sulia. <laughs> Oh yeah, so that was rest in peace. Um, yeah, that was actually a really interesting situation since they it was based out of New York City, and I was helping them trying to get writers such as Jay, for instance, to use this social media platform, which was kind of like 
Twitter now, but the, you didn't have the character length. Um, so you could write longer stuff on it and you'd get paid for posting stuff on it if you were a popular writer. Um, but I wasn't very confident they were going to make it and they wanted me to move to New York City. <laughs> <laughs> so I told, and I'd have to go work right about the Celtics. So I told them, thanks, but no thanks. And they went under a year later. So that, that made me feel good. That was that. definitely a good call. Sulia was doomed <laughs> from the start. Sulia was, you know, I was happy to get people paid, like, by it, but uh, it did not seem like a, a long-term uh, Yeah, so decision. so for people who aren't aware, Sulia would, would essentially just pay, I guess what you would call, like, influencers or whatever, like a lot of writers yeah. and stuff like that, to just write long tweets on <laughs> <in> their <laughs> just... platform. And I think the idea was that that would then convince other people to use it. Right. But instead, it, it was just like, the only people who used Sulio were the people they were paying. Correct. <laughs> so the like premise, just... the premise of it made sense. It was like, okay, you could have. It was kind of like an organized Twitter where it's like, you have a list of all the experts on basketball on one page, so you don't have to like find everyone. But yeah, like people that has happened organically, and this was not that. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the Sulio, <laughs> the Sulio face. That was, so yeah, that so was wild times. So how did how did you and Zach Lowe know each other? Like, how did you just randomly start a website with him? So he was just one of the other people that it was like ESPN was calling the shots on this um, in terms of who was forming the website. So they, they pretty much introduced to each other, us to each other via email and be like, hey, guys, this is you guys are going to do our Celtics blog. Um, you're going to get, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month. Um, and you think of the name, think of what you want. And think how you're going to do it, and then you know we'll promote you on ESPN as it goes. So, yeah, it was just a couple years of you know trading emails back and forth and figuring out who wants to write what, who's covering what game. It more people got involved. My uh, good buddy from BC, who um, still does stuff for Celtics Club, Brendan Jackson, uh, helped us out there, and we kind of men's league legend, men's league legend, um, and yeah, we were able to build it up um over a couple years and it again the the success of the team helped a ton but also the fact that zach lowe is and arguably the best nba writer on the planet i think was a pretty big part of that so i will forever (laughs) hold a debt of gratitude to him because thanks to him i definitely had more people reading my own stuff now what did you do when you like i'm confused about the timeline when did you start working for the sports hub in this regard and were you just uh was it Celtics related then, or were you just a, a generalist? I was just a generalist back then. So I was out of college. The economy in 2009 was not great. Um, so I was just looking to, again, get a foot in the door wherever I could. So I told him, hey, I write for the Celtics blog, and I don't know anything about radio, but I can you know, help you guys out here. Um, and so I was lucky. They needed bodies, and they had I had someone who vouched for me and said he you know he knows sports so i've been at the sports hub pretty much in a you know a variety of capacities for the last 11 years it became more and more celtics for themed for them um as time went on when they got the rights to the celtics at the station in i think like 2014 i want to say so at that point i started writing for the website at the sports hub for them and helping prepare you know, audio for the broadcast with Grandy and Max. Um, 
So I kind of expanded more at that standpoint. But early on, it was just, you know, helping produce shows, uh, working the board on weekends, uh, just things like that. I know you did some stuff like that too, Jam, at EI over the time. So it's it's a very... It's a terrible very, job. It's a, t- it's, a tough, <laughs> it's a tough gig. You don't know what you're working every week. Like you literally find out a week before what your schedule is. So you pretty much have to be available all the times and be ready to work on Christmas and New Year's Eve and whenever else. No one else I produced some of the worst Christmas programming that WEI <laughs> or the market has ever seen. My God, just some real terrible stuff back in the day. Yeah, B-Rob, you got to pay how did, how, did the, how did the B-Rob in the closet start? Oh, good question. Please um, explain what B-Rob in the yeah, Closet is, is first. I, yeah, this, so B-Rob in the Closet is uh, a creation. <laughs> I love B-Rob in the Closet. Yeah, this was a, a creation of the... So for Felger and Mass, they do... They used to have a studio at the Garden. And you need an engineer to work at the studio to make sure everything's working. You know, that they have their stuff and the to connect back to the station in, in Brighton. And so in, I would, as a freelancer, I would sometimes do those uh, gigs for them. And I you know, knew them from having produced over the years. So, but while I was engineering for those shows, I was literally in a, it was probably like a four foot by six foot like closet area. It was pretty much just like a very narrow hallway that would be, it's kind of like the area I'd say when you're walking into the, the Celtics locker room like that little yeah. half area, probably a little smaller than that. Um, but yeah, so you're there with all the equipment, essentially. For, for everyone and else listening, that is tiny. It's a small area. It <laughs> is not a small area. It is cozy, to say the least. But yeah, so uh, eventually they started talking to me whenever Celtics topics would come up and I would have a mic in front of me. And I think Felger did it more so to, you know, so they could put a camera on me and just look at me in this ridiculous, like, <laughs> like, Looked like I was in a prison box um, for to the TV effects. But I thought it was great at the time because I was like, well, this is, I get a chance to talk on Felger and Mass. This is amazing. Um, but yeah, and then over the years, it kind of just grew into more and more of a a situation as the Celtics got good again. And uh, yeah, I was, I did it for a couple of years and uh, had a lot of fun closet moments with uh, like a little, a little uh, hangers in the background. <laughs> now, when you were uh, uh, in the closet. the closet, it was truly electric, like just unreal. It's electric programming. Did you ever imagine that uh, your excellence from inside the closet would bring you to be doing play-by-play next to Sean Grandy yeah. during an <laughs> right? actual game? Uh, no, I I would have never dreamed that happened, and I am uh, I'm shocked Grandy didn't bring that up during the game. To be honest, um, I'll, I guess I'll. I owe a debt of gratitude on that front, but yeah, it was <laughs> a lot of debts from... of gratitude tonight from Bero. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was. Uh, well, tell us about was... that experience. How did you kind of get the call for that, and then just like what was it like? I mean, I have some experience doing play-by-play for twenty people on like a Bowdoin College web stream, but you know that you're being. I guess you have a lot more on-air experience, but this is live basketball, and like you really don't want to mess that up and i don't know if you have any like prior uh kind of play-by-play experience well obviously you're not doing the play-by-play but the color commentary just describe like what that was like because that's a not an opportunity a lot of people get just for those listening b rob did color commentary filling in for cedric maxwell for a celtic recent celtics home game with sean grandy and 
I still have to listen to it. I'm not going to lie. I haven't listened to it yet, but I have to, and I want to. I tried to listen to it at the game, but it was it was on through the NBA app, and it was like way too far behind, and it was just very confusing. So I apologize. <laughs> I made sure the NBA blocked it for everyone. <laughs> you know the reason. Um, yeah, so I mean that was a again just a very you know lucky situation for me in the sense that what was I've your reaction doing... when he first when you first got the call like B Rob we want you to do we... color commentary tonight for the Celtics game. I was like, are you sure you have the right person here? <laughs> or honestly, I was my, my initial impression was like, a lot of people must have said no. <laughs> that was like my initial reaction. No, but it was, it was, uh, it was surreal. I was out uh, just walking my dog when my, my boss called and at the sports hub and said, hey, do you think you could, do you think you could do this? And to be honest, I mean, I've done on air stuff, but like you said, Sam, like it's, I mean, what was calling, even calling a game for 20 people, I imagine, must have been nerve-wracking for you, like, in terms of, like, if you, for the first time, just figuring out what the heck you're doing. Oh, yeah, and trying to, like, figure out the rhythm of, like, when to talk and when to kind of let the moment go. And then you have to, like, you're going to mess up talking and you're going to say incorrect things. It's like, do you correct those things or do you just, like, keep on trucking? It's a kind of a wild experience and just not, you have to be on the entire time that it's just... I, it's it seems quite nerve wracking. Was I it just it you? Did you? Yeah, you did it too, Jay. I did it once for a high school tournament game, and I was a color commentator with an actually really talented uh, college student who was a play by play. But it was I was honest the the whole time my palms were sweating, and it was just a high school game. Like I don't even know if anyone was watching us or listening to us or whatever. And I, I just remember one time, I, I think I stole someone's line. <laughs> Some kid went in for a dunk. And I was like, oh, let the big dog eat. <laughs> then I was like, what are you doing? What, who, whose line did you just steal? And why did you say let the big dog eat? It was like the worst possible line I could have used. And I hated myself the rest of the way. <laughs> did you have any moments like that where you're like, what did I just say? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I'm trying to remember. I mean, anytime you're filling in for Max, my goal is like Max is just such a legend and he has so many good insights, like whether it's a food reference or, you know, quack, 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 you know, there's and he has a willingness to say whatever comes to his mind. Exactly. He has zero filter. You're you're a Hall of Fame, you know, player. You've been doing it for 30 years. Exactly. You can do whatever you want. Everyone loves Max. He's the best. Exactly. Exactly. So, like, my goal is like, don't do, don't try to be Max because that's the worst thing you can possibly do. But there is, I mean, I think I one line I remember saying was like the hoop and the harm. I'm not sure where that's from, but that's 100. percent I stole that from some some play by play announcer. I was like, whoa, all right, don't do that. Um, Did Brandy shoot you a look like, who do you think you are? Yeah, exactly. Like, come on. But I mean, it was. I'll be honest. It was a. It was an incredible honor to you know be allowed to that for like by the Celtics, by Grandy, by my boss at the sports hub and it was made a hundred percent easier by Grandy since he literally, I don't know how he does it because he, if he could do a whole game by himself, if he needed to without breaking a sweat, I feel like. So I was happy to kind of, you know, figure out when's good to jump in. He gives you these little windows to jump in essentially. And I had to like listen back to a game or two for the game to a better. And, you know, I've listened to him broadcast for years growing up, but you know, just to, figure out the timing like you're um but 
you don't have to talk. If you have nothing to say, you don't have to force it. He just picks up for you. And um, so, so you actually went back and like prepared for it. I actually, oh yeah, hundred percent. I went back and listened to a quarter of like the last two games. Um, I listened to him and Abby Chin, who filled in a couple years earlier and did a really good job too. Um, and then just a quarter of him and Max, just to figure out the rhythm. You know, just stuff you're not listening for when you're listening for the game. You're not listening to like how they actually do things. So just to get a better sense of that, and that helped a lot. And but yeah, once the, luckily the game was crazy. So once the butterflies wore off after the first quarter, it was kind of just losing trouble. But again, I don't know how. The way the, the the spot they put those guys in the arena is brutal to call a game. You pretty much have to watch it off the TV to figure out what the heck's going on. Yeah, and, the, and the game you did was the Rockets game, which <laughs> Celtics were down three with a second left. They had to miss a free throw, scramble to get it. Jalen Brown hit the three to tie it. It goes into overtime. More menace ensues. <laughs> were you sitting there like, oh my god, like I'm trapped in this moment. <laughs> this is tough. Or were you just kind of like at that point just lost in it and just going with it yeah i was exactly just lost in it going with it. i mean the i don't think the craziness of that you know the tying three really set into me till after the game i saw it again being like holy crap that like <laughs> that play was unreal but in the time it's like my goal was like all right don't freaking talk over grandy here or he or you're <laughs> like ruin like a potentially memorable clip for the whole season like so it's stuff like that you just are in a different mindset when you're doing something like that. I just, you know, if anything, it just makes me have so much respect for him and, and Max or anyone who does it on a, and it's really good at it on a full-time basis. Like we're, I feel like we're just spoiled in Boston with guys like that. Like, you know, Mike and Tommy, pretty much all sports, like just have really good, you know, announcers that are not only great at telling you what's going on, but are entertaining while doing it. And Other Grandy, than Grandy, like can look up stats. He tweets yeah. during games. It's like, how the hell do you do that? He has man? his own. I couldn't figure out what the format. score was during the game. Yeah, it's, he's nuts. <laughs> like I literally, like sometimes there would be like a a ten run and the Celtics would be down to him. Like what just happened? Like I I literally can't even follow what's going on in the game when you're focused on calling it. So I don't know how the hell he can do stats during the game. It's it's ridiculous. Other than <laughs> we can't people's... let him listen to this because we we can't let him hear that, that no. we're just hyping him up. No. This, that cannot happen. We have to we keep can, eating him on stats, all of us. We have to. We must cause... keep any this episode of anything is possible away from Sean Grandy <laughs> at all costs. It's it's a it's a mission because we're being put to shame anytime he beats us to a stat while calling a game. It's just it's actually kind of wild. More than I think about it now that you got like all of us are like following along stats and not doing anything other than tweeting or calling other people out for copying someone's tweet and for him to post his own graph like he doesn't like those are custom designed graphics that he like puts his stats in i don't get how that's possible no i i'm i'm the same the, the binder grandy has for his preparation for like the whole league is we got to get that binder. essentially like the size of the bible it's like it is huge i've be... seen it it is enormous and he ha he keeps it from every game that he's ever called so oh, wow. he, he has in his apartment, he has literally like an entire area with all the binders dating back to like 2000, I think it is when he first started uh, calling Celtics games, maybe 2001, 1999, right around that time. But he has every single one and, it's, that's and they're all color coded and it, it really is wild. But he keeps them so that he can like look back at, at different things and how it's evolved over the years. It's it's 
really wild and impressive. And I, I can't let him hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, can't do it. Did he give you any feedback? I mean, like the only feedback I heard about your performance is that you sound like Bill Hader, which uh, right? I think is fair uh, because you sound <laughs> like Bill Hader. I heard um, I heard good feedback from other people, unrelated to B Rob. So I'm I was impressed. Uh, yeah, I did. I saw the Bill Hader tweet, and that was. I guess that's okay. I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> like he's. <laughs> it could be worse. They're not I, talking I about getting... how bad you are. They just say you sound like a guy. Right. So exactly like I, that's that's fine and yeah so I did you know you got friends and family and everyone says you know nice work um, but yeah like it was I pretty much asked Randy in the middle of the first quarter being like how's it going he's and he was just like yep you're fine and that was it so I'm like all right I'm just gonna stay out of the way um, and uh, yeah I mean hopefully I mean will this ever happen again probably not like I'll, I'm honored to be able to even do it once um, but as long my goal was essentially not to be made fun of on the air the next week <laughs> or something like that and uh, by screwing something up and I, I I managed to achieve that so that that that's a win I feel like that's such a bucket list thing that you can't even put it on your bucket list because you just oh, think yeah. it's never going to happen <laughs> and then, all, then all of a sudden one day you're just walking your dog <laughs> and learn you're going to call a Celtics game. That that must have been the coolest thing ever. To sh- to shift gears entirely, I'm going to start making fun of you now. Um, <laughs> Please. <laughs> you might you might be the most predictable Celtics tweeter among all mm. writers. All right, go to go to what are some B-Rob go-tos? Uh the runs, Celtics runs. Like Celtics are on an 8-2 run. That is a go-to. Uh depth chart when they're mm. When they're injured, just and shorthanded. Do you, you guys like the depth chart, or is that? I can't tell if people actually like it, or or. Are <laughs> I'm a big fan of the of depth me. chart, but I'm also a big fan of making fun of the depth chart. Right. It's both. <laughs> I know it's both it's for useful. you, and I respect that from you. Yeah, I actually yeah, think no, it's it, useful for like I I I get confused by like all right how how is this game going to go? So I'm like I'm going to throw a depth chart up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the depth chart. Uh, uh, what else are your your other go-tos? Brad Wanamaker praise last year was one of your go-tos. Whenever Brad mm-hmm. Wanamaker um, was... You get, a, you get a singular guy. For a while, we all know is Jarebko. Um, yeah, Jarebko was your guy for a little while. Then I feel like Tice was my guy for a while. But I yeah. like now he's kind of that's like I can't be him anymore. Guy. He's too popular. Yeah, Tice, <laughs> you're, you're, go a, the next wave. you're a beat reporter hipster. You only like the guys who uh, no one else has talked about or even heard of. <laughs> You got to be on an island. You got to find well, a new island. You got to find where you uh, where you fit in. I got to think right. of some uh, some other. Oh, whenever someone hits like like five or six three pointers in a row, you'll tweet like what percentage they are for the season, mm-hmm. or like as soon mm-hmm. as they reach a certain plateau, like oh Jalen Brown is forty percent from the season from three pointers now. Like after he'd hit just hit like seven of eight, that that is a B Rob special. Um, are you just doing the math in your head? How, do you, how are you calculating these things, B-Rob? Do you know it before the game? No. I, this is all stuff I look up, like, during the game. I don't... You're... I'm a man that just goes with the flow. Even though I'm in too predictable. Also... I, have to, I have to mix things up here. I'm, you guys are... <laughs> you guys are exposing me right Jay's now. Jay's bullying I'm, 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 you I'm, right I'm now. Just, no, this is good. This is... I need to... I'm going to have months to go back to the drawing board right now and big, come back Big as, career high guy. Oh, yeah. I career feel like I mean, high, I can always count on B Rob for the career high. 
So, Jay, what are you thinking about during the game when B-Rob's, like, has all these go-to stats? Like, Jay's I guess I'm curious about you. both your approaches of, like, when you decide something <laughs> so is, needs to be tweeted. We, we, should, we should put out the scattering report of, of all the Celtics <laughs> tweeters right now. I like, I like I, that. I feel like everybody's got a scatter report. Um, Packard. Nonsense. Well, yeah, just it's glorious nonsense. Always, but you also mix we, in some good analysis, too, with like the nonsense. So it's like it's a good balance, I feel, for you, Packard. Well, I appreciate the compliment, but that's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to be mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what is I mean, Packard? Yeah, you have a, a pretty special brand. Some some days you'll go like weeks with just tweeting random wire facts. Um, that was uh, that was uh, quarantine specific. Um, I'm trying to have think. You checked in on the JetBlue crew. The JetBlue flight crew. I've not texted Lucky to see how he's doing, but I hope he's in the gym, like really working on some things. The only thing I can think but of is safely like, in the gym and right by himself. Oh yeah, his, his own personal gym. He, the the JetBlue flight crew cannot practice together, so hopefully they're all working on their individual games at the moment. Yeah, agreed. Um, what else? Who else? <laughs> Westerholm once asked me what his scatter report was. And uh, what did I say? He's, he's got his kid tweets, Raffi. Ra- mm-hmm. he's, he's big on tweeting photos of Raffi or videos of Raffi. He's super cute, but that's part of the scatter report. Um, <laughs> yeah. Shooting hoops. <laughs> shooting hoops. Raffi shooting hoops. Yeah, Raffi shooting hoops is <laughs> a big part of his brand. Um, what else does he have? Whenever a young guy like shows any signs of life, he starts a hype train. He's like the yep. when Romeo Langford has a block or something, you can count on Westerholm to tweet about it and and tweet very positive things. Um, what else? I feel like Wash is always the first one to throw uh, some shade at the team if they're messing up. Wash also throws in hashtags like hashtag Celtics <laughs> or hashtag Thunder. <laughs> I'm, I'm big true. on the Wash hashtags. Yeah, Wash will have the hot takes though too. You're right. He will. And to let it go in the press, that's not just in Twitter, too. He'll let it go in the press conference, too, after the game. He'll throw Brad or whoever to the fire if, yeah, if it's wa- warranted. Wash his hashtags. What else we got? Uh, I mean, Himmelsbach, I feel like. I is... don't know. Isn't that the whole bit is that we just all tweet the exact same thing and then make fun <laughs> of each other for it? Like, there's no scouting report. We're all just saying the same information if form, like, like in different sentences. Bontemps might have my favorite Twitter feed because in person he just has fiery hot takes and then he'll go on Twitter and be like, the Celtics are shooting 12 for 21 from the field and they're up 12 and this is a decent start for them. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> where are all your hot takes? He's man? very newsy in his tweets. It's like yeah. perfectly packaged ESPN stuff. Yeah, it's like like what where are your opinions, man? I I need your opinions. Where'd they go? He just he just he he's really like buckled buckled in on Twitter, is how I put it. It's very professional. Yeah. You need to get uh-huh. him to cut loose more. What's well, your self scout? What's your self scout, Jay? Yeah, Jay, what are you what are you known for? Um I'm I, I take shots at people on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. professional shitster you like to yeah. come back at people who give you any any criticism even the slightest slightest critique you'll get hit that's him with not, a quote a mean quote tweet. True. that's not i mean you true. let a lot of stuff go but you are much more willing to shame someone publicly than i would say the rest of us are 
Yeah, I I take I take joy in dunking on uh, on Twitter users, <laughs> but it, it, that also opens me up. There are a lot of people that come at my neck because of that. Um, what else? What I mean, what do you guys think? You you guys got to give this guy a report on me. Yeah, I mean, I think you're. You're, just let it go. It's a, it's a mix. No, it's a mix of everything. Don't, you do, don't you, be Twitter bon temps on me right now. <laughs> I be, think you're very professional. You're a very professional twi- tweeter. Uh, you you know, you you say nice things. No, no, j- you <laughs> you go at people and you like to stir up shit, which is good unless you're coming at me, and then it's like, uh oh. Um, but beyond that, I think you're you're a steady flow of good numbers as it goes. Um, and then you you mix in a lot of everyday stuff, like whether it's not even just basketball, just like daily life, like airplane, the airplane seat stuff. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know you're you you you're a big advocate of. I mean, I'm on team you on this one for in terms of the recline there, but you'll mix in daily observation stuff a lot. I think more than a lot of other Celtics beat does. So I think you're you you're ahead of the pack on that one. That, 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 I'm surprised you didn't note that i retweet compliments more than anyone that's i mean that's yeah that's the most shameful that's like anyone at the that's like but that's i feel like pretty common on twitter no but jay's the worst offender yeah yeah, i mean you i'm by far the worst offender i'm embarrassed by it i just want the people to know i'm embarrassed (laughs) by it i don't i don't want to do this but i'm addicted you've cut down on it you've cut down on it lately though you've cut down that's because I'm there's been less to write about. That's because the people aren't complimenting me lately. <laughs> he hasn't earned them compliments. If, if you'll notice, I don't I don't retweet compliments when people just at me. It's the quote tweets with my story. That's the only right. time I retweet compliments. I'm just trying to drive subs, people. I'm right. I'm sorry. I'm ashamed. I hate myself. Just know that. And just if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, you can right now for free, free 90-day trial. You go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. Uh, that helps us, but you'll get it for free. Ninety days, you can read all of Jay King's. See how good a company man I am. That was that was fantastic. And don't Thank forget to done. subscribe to the Winning Place podcast and Ooh. Boston Sports Journal. Um, there's gonna be a lot of a lot of time to read stuff, so you should subscribe to everything right now. Let's be honest. Let's support the folks who make things. Support the folks exactly. All right, B Rob, we've we've delved into. Uh, nonsense when we're analyzing Jay's Twitter. So we're going to wrap it up here with this question, and we appreciate you joining the pod. How long have you been covering the Celtics, would you say? Is it since 2008, so it's 12 years now? Uh, 11 years, yeah, 2009. What do you think is your most memorable or, like, craziest moment, uh, like, on the beat that you, like, the thing that sticks out to you the most is like, whoa, that was wild. Doesn't like in it terms could be of team on the court, or like, off the court, could, could be, be like thing. it could be like something, just a personal experience, like whatever. I mean, to be like honest, one time you're in a game. scrum where you like, oh yeah, that's a pretty obvious one. Yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have known the answer to that. Okay, excluding I mean, that. Besides excluding that, I'll, that, I'll go as far as a cool experience goes in terms of like covering on the beat. Um, because I, I actually kind of uh, wrote about this a little bit this week in the wake of Brady leaving. I the the KG and Pierce return to the Garden the first time, I thought was like one of the coolest just like experiences ever from a in that arena from the just the way the crowd reacted that night to like the videos to how well it was put together like just in terms of like the Boston just like the 
the epitome of Boston fandom of like how those guys were embraced in a situation like that. So I feel like as far as I mean, there's plenty of cool games over the years, but that's I feel like an experience from a, a reporter slash son who rooted for those guys growing up. Um, that probably takes the cake. I like that. That was that was a good one. Good choice. Good answer. I can't blame you for it. Good podcast all along. I want to use some more, but but I can't. And then the numbers. Paul Pierce had a career high twenty four points in that game. No. Ooh. Um, <laughs> what would you guys went on a six 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 so, four yeah. run in the third quarter? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's it. Fine. Are you guys? Can we? Are we going to make this a home at home uh, podcast situation? Sure, oh, why not? Make this a home and home. I like that. Uh, Jim, we still got a. As long as I can. You come winning place. Yeah, well, we can we can set it up. The Pina Me, Jay King Pina. rivalry is uh, is we vicious. We should have gotten on here. We'll save that for winning place. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That that that's where yeah, we need dive. to talk to Pina about that. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely need to talk and, to Pina about that. I I got one more question for you, B Rob. Yeah. Do you rem- Do you remember rejecting me? When I wanted to write for a Celtics Hub. <laughs> no. I, you were not rejected, Jay. <laughs> oh, I was rejected. Oh, I was certainly rejected. I, <laughs> I was I was up for a spot at Celtics Hub and B B Rob. B Rob picked you two were, other guys did, instead. No, there was it was a group decision and Jay yeah. was as good as everyone, but Zach we went with, rejected you, Jay. I, I was not. No, Zach Zach I was, was not. No. No. It, it was it was our biggest mistake. It's why Celtics Hub is not like in business to this day. No, we went with we went with Hayes Davenport and Ryan DeGamma, who Hayes is now a like famous TV writer, um, but he's no Jay King. He's a, and, he's a uh, much much better writer than that. I mean he's no he's not. Let's be serious. And Ryan's also oh, a very good writer. So. To be honest, Jay, this was their biggest mistake at Celtics Hub was not <laughs> making a, a third spot I, for Jay in that spot. With I, her. I just had to call you out call you out no. on that. Yeah, I, I finished I finished It's fair. Was I at least third place in the Of course you were. No, it was race. Yeah. You were right there. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a huge mistake. The group vote no. the group vote did not go well and we I still owe Hayes Davenport money. I, I owe him ten dollars. For we, what? Uh, for he dinner? paid for me for my dinner at the Staples Center one night. <laughs> what a guy! At a Celtics game, yeah. It was. I think it was the one time I ever met him. And uh, and I you took ten dollars from him and never gave it back. So Hayes, if you're listening, send me your Venmo. <laughs> a true gentleman. <laughs> All right, we've um, we've delved too much into the into the nonsense sphere. Um, also, GM, we got to do a Catan podcast too at some point. With, oh yeah, with Grant. Um, if you want to play me on Catan Universe, I'm at Bay Crowder. Feel free to add me. We can play anytime during quarantine. At Bay Crowder. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's that's enough from us here at Anything Is Potable. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, thanks to Brian Rob from Boston Sports Journal and the Sports Hub for joining us. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe. Do all the podcast things that hosts tell you to do. And thank you for listening to Anything is Potable!